Hi. It's like it's a special week. It is a special week, obviously, but it's also like our anniversary in a little way. It is. It is. It's like a very special episode of Faded Mates. Oh, welcome everyone to Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop. I think I used to say a romance reader and critic, but now I say a romance reader and editor because it's been a long time that we've been doing this now. Season four. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> y'all, I mean, we probably sound great though. I didn't even have a good microphone. Several episodes in, Eric had to be like, you need a better microphone. And I was like, okay, tell me what to buy and I will buy it. A Yeti microphone is the answer, everybody. So gather around, kitties, while Aunt Jen and Aunt Sarah tell you a story (laughs) about a time before this time. (laughs) We were young. We knew nothing. There was way less drama in the world. It's true. Let's talk a little bit about the next two weeks, because... Sarah's moving. Sarah's moving. So we are going to have I'm also, Eric is also moving. He's moving with me. (laughs) Eric is also moving. (laughs) That means that we're going to be running some reruns. For those of you who are of a certain age, remember that? (laughs) We're going to have some reruns. Kids are like, what? What's a rerun? Okay, anyway. What you're about to hear after we banter a little is. But now listen. Yeah. You're sort of giving away. You're sort of like. Giving it away in the sense that this could have very reasonably been a re-release episode and no one would have been the wiser. Well, you know what? It's okay. They look, These are our friends, though. Some we're things. friends. Yeah, it's fine. They're like... If you've okay. ever moved, you know where we're at. Whew, no kidding. So, today, we are re-running our very first episode. And this is an episode where we kind of introduce the idea of Faded Mates. That's right, because a long, long time ago, before a pandemic and an election (laughs) and a sort of shocking amount of aging on both of our parts, um, we were young and we were in love with a multi-book series by a woman named Cressley Cole called Immortals After Dark, which fondly Eric began to refer to as Monster Mash. That's right. And on our journey to friendship, Jen and I tweeted at each other, we should start a podcast about Immortals After Dark. And here you are, four seasons later, and we sometimes, you know, reference Immortals After Dark like you all know it. You've all read it. Um, But we know that there are literally thousands, many thousands of you out there who joined us way after season one. And have never had the benefit of listening to us talk about the absolute crackers, bananas, insanity (laughs) of uh, Immortals After Dark. Well, and it's funny because I was thinking back to season one and like there's a lot of things like you talked about the shocking, like, you know, we occasionally refer to our children and your daughter when we recorded that was... Five, mm, right? Baby. Like a baby, <laughs> right? Little Romance was still like probably freshman in high school. Little Romance was still in high school, like in your house. Was still in high school in my house. So it's it's like there's that kind of stuff. Obviously, it was pre-pandemic. We had no idea what was going on um, or what was about to happen to us. The year, the pandemic years of Faded Mates, which are 
apparently never going to stop, honestly. It's like the Torture Island movement. <laughs> People are like, what? Yeah. What's that? You're fun. You'll, you'll find out. Now, here's the other thing I was thinking, though. This is a funny, dumb thing. We had no – listen, you guys, we had, y'all, we had no idea what we were doing. So we had this, like, brilliant idea that we would number the episodes. <laughs> Remember this? Eric's absolute – Like, This is Eric's or, m- villain origin story. Well, we didn't – okay, so originally we were – okay, originally Faded Mates, we were 165 episodes some in. was only going to be 18 episodes, like one for It made perfect book. sense. It did. We knew what we were doing. We thought, well, these poor f- people are not going to be able to read a book every week. So we'll do it like every other week. And we were just going to like take a week off. And Eric, who's a podcast expert, was like, nobody likes a podcast that takes a week off. You need to do something in between. So we had this other idea. We'll have these little 10-minute interstitial episodes. No time. It's fine. We can be short. Sure we can. Listen, Jen, every episode this season has been like well over an hour. Like, (laughs) fine. Y'all, we're starting. Heads up, because starting in a couple of weeks, we're we're starting ads. And (laughs) and I was like, how many ads could we run? And he was like, there is a lot of time that you two talk. Fine. Be that way. So, yeah, we had, like, this brilliant idea. So those were half episodes, right? The the IED episodes were full, like, even numbers. And then the other ones were, like, 0.5. And then it was clear that that was all a stupid well, idea. Well, then it was just clear that we liked talking to each other. Yes. And talking about romance. So, yeah. anyway, here's the deal. You are about to listen to episode one, A Wolf Without a Foot, um, which is when we – in when we – introduce what we're trying to do in season one it is ages ago it is like a millennium ago for in you know dog years and (laughs) the accession has begun and ended that's how long it's been exactly and if you love iid we think that you'll love this episode if you've never read iid but you like us it might be fun to you know go back into the vault and hear what baby jen and baby sarah talk about and I will say this, if you've never read IAD, there are a number of you out there, right. and we still are confused by you, but we love you and support you, who listened to every episode of Faded Mates when we were talking about IAD and never once read a book. <laughs> <laughs> and we love you. We love you so much. And we hope that you will be with us two weeks from today Yes, for Jen. Tell our- them what they've won. Okay, so everyone, of course, have been like, how are you going to talk about Monroe? So we are going to have— Oh, wait, should we explain that Monroe is here? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> this feels I mean, really on brand for season one. <laughs> listen, the best part about season one also is we could not remember any book titles. And remember I how relieved we were when they got to, like, Lothair? And we were like, great, just name it after these people. For you. Ooh, yeah. Vampires, whatever. So mon- the reason we're here is the newest— Book 19, Monroe, came out on January 25th yesterday, and we didn't want to have, like, a read-along episode right away because we wanted to give people a chance to read it. And I think the other thing is we love our listeners, right? Like, we aren't really an IED podcast anymore. We are want to celebrate you, the Magnificent Firebirds, and all of the fun, amazing things that we get to do with each other and, and hear from you all. So on Wednesday... February 9th, we are going to have an episode Faded Mates Live. Um, If you've come to a live episode for that really means Faded Mates Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) 
Look. Faded Mates, Eventbrite. <laughs> Same thing. Faded Mates Live. And it's going to be at 8 Eastern. Um, if you cannot attend at 8 Eastern, it will be recorded and eventually we will drop it onto the feed. So don't worry about that. We will put up an Eventbrite that you can use to register. And here's the part that is a little bit different. As you all know, we have been um, recording our Trailblazers episodes. We have had a lot of folks point out, and they are right, that we should really have transcripts. So it is a completely optional, but if you would like to donate to the cause, essentially a sliding scale, if you just want to come and you don't, you know, that's zero. Welcome. Welcome. It's a free event. It is a free event, but we'll also be collecting essentially any money we raise that night from people that are coming. If, you know, you throw in a buck or five bucks, we are going to put it all towards transcription costs. We have tried really hard to like sort of volunteer, have people edit, you know, kind of do it. It's just too much work for us to kind of like do that way. And we just need to hire somebody to do it is where we're at. So that'll give us a chance to hire real people who can do real transcription and make sure that the Trailblazer episodes, which we hope you all agree are so important and valuable, will be able to live accessibly to as many people as possible. But getting back to it, <laughs> Faded Mates Live It's going to be fun. We're going to play games. We're going to talk about our favorite things from the entire IAD series. We are going to talk about Monroe because, of course, Jen and I have read Monroe. And we have lots and lots and lots to say about it. Um, But mainly we want to hang out with you guys and spend some time with you because it's been a while since we've been able to. And also we think that this is the best time for us to celebrate, like, four solid seasons of this little project that Jen and I never thought would get off the ground. The event is ticketed. In order to get a link for it, you have to go to live.fadedmates.net. Click the link there, which will take you to Eventbrite and give you a chance to sign up for the event. You'll get a link in your email, and you will also be able to donate to transcriptions there. Right. So we just want to say thank you to all of you. We are excited to have a really fun night. If you have a great idea for like an IAD themed game or a Magnificent Firebirds game or a Faded Mates game, shoot me a DM. Um, I will be working on that like kind of part of it because, well, I'm a school teacher and, you know, party games are my specialty. (laughs) And um, we are going to have a really fun night. So we are super excited I just think it's going to be a great way to celebrate Monroe, but also to celebrate all of you. And also, happy release week to Cressley Cole, because yes. without her, we wouldn't we have wouldn't even be able, us. Right? That's right. We hope that if you are out there and you got Monroe yesterday, you are excited and you are reading and you are loving it. We can't wait to talk about wolf holograms and all the other fun stuff that's going on in that book. And uh, if you've never read a Cressley Cole book and you just don't know what on earth everyone's talking about, right now, in your ear holes, (laughs) deep cut, (laughs) episode one of Fate of Mates. Well, hello, Jen. Hi, Sarah. Uh, Everybody, you're listening to Fate of Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm Jen Reed's Romance. Is Reed's Romance your your actual last name? Is that your birth name? You should have seen the court. You should have seen the judge at court today. No. 
Jennifer Prokop. I know it's so it's weird though. I feel like people know me on Twitter. I'm Jen Prokop, but on Twitter you can find me at Jen Reads Romance. You should find her on Twitter. I found her on Twitter. That's how we became friends. That's how we. It was faded. We're faded mates. I know, but if we are only Australian, maybe that would be better. If we have any Australian listeners, I want them to like record themselves saying mates and then just like drop it into a SoundCloud file for us. Yeah. Or or faded mates. That works too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we're buddies and it was faded. We are. And that's how we so we found each other because of romance novels. Of course. Because Jen reads romance and Sarah reads romance also. At one point, I remember you saying, and I think it was like in a, a you know private message or whatever it is on Twitter, that you that you said something like, "I think about romance all day," and I thought, oh, "Me too." <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like, and I just thought, if people only knew how much of my quality time I spent thinking about this genre, they would be shocked. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. So I have a almost five year old and um, she's obsessed with books and I'm always reading. And usually I'm reading in E and so she can't see the covers. Um, But she now she comes in and she says, Mommy, what are you reading? And I say a book and she says, is it about people falling in love? (laughs) And it is like a hundred times out of a (laughs) hundred. Yes, it's about people falling in love. And that's, you know, there are worse things in the world than being obsessed with romance novels. Um, When did you start reading Immortals After Dark? So this is actually kind of amazing because I looked back at this. So I definitely read A Hunger Like No Other. I looked it up on my Amazon account, like when it came out. So, you know, what was it? 2005? 2006, maybe? Well, I just so happened to have a copy of it on my desk, Jen. 2006. Okay. So here's the part that I actually think is even more amazing. Um, Look at that cover. Like, (laughs) the thing I... They're republishing it now with that original cover. And it's gone through, by the way, like a million... Okay, I bought it in 2008. I just looked at my Amazon account. Um, Why does he look like the vampire on the cover of that book? I have no idea. So wait, you're saying that they're bringing this, this copy that I have in my hand is the old cover and the new cover. Yes. How fun. Okay. So I've actually written about this book a couple of times on the book Queens blog. And the first time around, I, I think I just reviewed it as like a throwback Thursday because I was kind of like really interested in exploring like what makes, um, Like, when does a romance become vintage, I think, was sort of how I framed it, right? Because some romances stick around. I mean, we read them. You know, I mean, why are we still reading Julie Garwood? Why are we still reading, right? So I was really curious to kind of reread this book and think, like, does it have any staying power? Like, right? Or Like, what is it that makes a romance? And and when does that happen? Is it, like, at the 10-year mark that we say, okay, this is definitely going to be a thing that we're all still reading in 20 years? I mean, it's really hard to predict that. So I think I was really interested in that, and I reread it. And I had very little memory, honestly, of it from the first time around. Um, and wrote a review where I was sort of... Now, it was pre-Me Too. 
And I think some of like the consent issues with a hunger like no other, which we'll talk about when we talk about the book, like it read a little differently, obviously now, like right 13 years later than it did back, back when I first read it. Um, but I, I think there's so much about it. Obviously you and I agree that, that stick, that we're in a, that just is really powerful still. Um, and one of those things is just really exploring that the heroine is not, she doesn't just stand by the sidelines and scream, right? Like she really is the a, a strong, powerful figure who is going after what she wants. And I really like that. Um, but I also wrote a whole other post about books that change covers and how covers change over time. And in between the one that you and I are looking at now where he like, he looks like the vampire, right? It's very cheesy. And he's got like these big long claws. Um, there was one that looked very twilight Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, of course there was. So I feel like we're jumping the gun a little bit because this is our 0.5 episode. <laughs> right. And um, we should probably tell everybody what we're doing here, which is um, you're listening to Faded Mates with Jen and Sarah, who are Cressley Cole fangirls. Yes, it's a fangirl podcast for sure. Like, basically, we decided we talk so much about this book, <laughs> these books, and we reference these books so much in conversation that we should just do a read, a read-along podcast with everybody. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, um, Cressley Cole is the author of the Immortals After Dark series and other series, too, which we will no doubt bring up over the course of this podcast. Um, and the Immortals After Dark is one of the most... Um, famous paranormal romance series in the genre. Um, and it is now 18 books long. Yeah. And actually you, I think, I think of you as being like kind of a historian of the genre in some way. <laughs> I do think about it all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. But it, like, so, but I mean, paranormal, like, I think it'd be interesting to talk about like, par- and, and we don't have to do it today, but like paranormal as part of the romance genre, to me, we see it like come up, like kind of rise up post nine 11, honestly, which is like kind of similarly in movie. There's this huge, huge ups- uptick in like superhero movies and right. It's what are we, what are we dealing with here? Um, well, I mean, it's hard to, of course, say if, for sure, but many of us believe that Americans uh, post nine eleven were afraid. I'm, I mean, it was one of the more. It, it's certainly short of Pearl Harbor, the only time we've ever had such like a significant attack on soil on our soil. Um, it felt very present because of twenty four hour news cycle and lots of other reasons. Um, and I think that uh, in the time in, immediately following it, there was a real sense of fear and uncertainty and a desire for um, some kind of security and safety and um, a a sense of comfort. And, um, you know, we know that readers turn to romances for comfort in times of strife. And what ended up happening with authors like Cressley and J.R. Ward and um, Lindsay Sands and Janine Frost was a sort of huge 
burst of um, paranormal romances where the heroes, and in Cressley's case, the heroines, too, were these enormously larger-than-life and literally immortal beings who could save the world. And essentially what Cressley has done here, um, the premise of Immortals After Dark, is um, immortals exist— Every single type of immortal you can possibly imagine exists in the world, um, and they all exist side by side, and they are quite literally immortal, and they live uh, alongside us. The series is largely set in New Orleans, um, and they live alongside humans, and the concept is um, every 500 years, the universe creates a kind of force called the accession. Um, and it's essentially like a world war between the immortals and factions choose sides and their enemies. And there are weird, cool immortals that are born. Um, and the idea is that over the course of this war, um, every 500 years, the immortal herd is thinned and then they are able to live again. Yeah, but it's also new alliances, including, like, including um, finding new mates, right? So it's like you're thinning the herd on one end, but also creating new couples who are going to spawn new, right, new immortals. New immortals, and in some cases, like, immortals who that have never before been seen. Right. So it's both destructive, but also creative, right? Mm-hmm. And, and essentially, it's just like a huge shakeup of the whole immortal world. And I think it's, it's fascinating because it's really high stakes. I mean, how do you create high stakes for characters that can live forever? And I think this is the way that it's structurally, right? This is the way that it's happening. So I think that's also really interesting. From a reader perspective, a lot, um, you sort of buy into a lot of this wacky bananas plot because, um, immor- because you're sort of already in the mix with immortals exist and there's this 500 year war and, um, and it's sort of this delicious, you're able to like really leap into the deep end of this like wacky pool and hang out with these crazy characters and like experience all these like wild bananas things and you just buy it. And it's so delicious as a reader to be able to just sort of sink into this wild ride. Um, and I think on top of it, you know, it's so sexy and it's so funny and it's so clever. And even the books that were written like way back in, I mean, way back, <laughs> way back in 2006. Well, in romance, that is way back, very, right? Very young. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, you know, they really feel very present. And I should say, I did not read this series until about a year ago. Um, when I read Cress- one of Cressley's other series first, I read um, the Game Maker series, which is a contemporary oh, series yeah. about yes. um, Russian brothers who are mobsters. Um, and I was so, like, totally blown away by, like, how perfect that series was that I finally picked up. Because I'm not a paranormal reader, typically. Right. Um, I read paranormal as a seasoning on my, like the rest of my romance food. Um, And I'd never read IAD and um, I picked up a hunger like no other. And it was what 2017. And I was so blown. I was so in it. First chapter, I was just in it. And, um, and then I read all six at the time there were 
17 books and I read all 17 books in two weeks because I just couldn't, like every time I finished one, I just downloaded the next one. And Eric kept coming in and going, are you reading Monster Mash again? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. We should have called this podcast Monster Mash. (laughs) You know, it's it's never too late. We can can do whatever we want. Um, Although I'm like a copyright infringement. Um, I'm like, I'll be the level-headed one. I, so I reread A Hunger Like No Other for this Throwback Thursday review. Um, and then here's the hilarious part. At the end of this review, I concluded that although I very much enjoyed reading it, that there was no way I was going to be sucked into an 18-book series because I basically was doing the math. I was like, 18 books at $7 each. This is a huge outlay of cash. And then did you remember the public libraries exist? I did remember the public. I mean, that's <laughs> right. I mean, the great thing about it, a, a series that started a longer, like, you know, with a big backlist is the library has them. So I did. I borrowed a bunch from the library. And then I bought some from the Ripped Bodice because I was like, I want to support this bookstore. And hey, these are books I'm going to want to read. Um, I got some of the other ones from Book Outlet. So I just was like picking them up here and there and then trying really to pace myself. But I, um, it, it became more like a snowball effect till until Lothair for me. Like I read those first two, it, 10, I guess. It, Lothair is, I think, the 10th one in a, like a gulp. I just sucked them down because I really wanted to see what was going to happen with him. And then I experienced a little bit of a hangover. I didn't love Shadow's Claim, which came after it. And we'll talk about that many weeks from now. Um, and But the other, in, in other news, right, 18 books later, I own them all. And I own most of them on audio. <laughs> well, of course you do. I think you're the one who told me about it because I was going to be driving somewhere. And I remember being like, are these audiobooks any good? I need to start whatever's the one with Declan Chase. And I think you were the one who was like, Jennifer. <laughs> hold, let me come hold you and like whisper in your ear. Yes. And, and then I've been pretty much all in with and I'm like, now I should probably calculate how much money I've spent on this series because it's worth it. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I, so I came to the, I did the same thing where I was reading them. Um, I was just downloading them again and again and again. And then somebody, I don't know who told me that I had to listen to them in audio. And so my first audio of this series was Sweet Ruin, which we will <laughs> talk about. Jen's laughing because it, I'm like obsessed with this book. Like I can't, I've, I've read Sweet Ruin, like, I mean, a dozen times. It's obscene. Like, his voice is absolutely constructed out of Unbelievably sex, sex molecules. I don't even know how it's happening. I know. The, uh, the, we should name him. He has a name. His name is Robert Petkoff. And he, I'm told, I didn't know this, but um, he is a Broadway actor. So my goal is to, like, hunt him down here in New York and get him to be on the podcast with us. And just, but only if he agrees to do it in Rune's voice. (laughs) As Sarah, like, melts under her desk. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. I'm going to try and find a way to just, like, get that clip. Like, we'll embed it or whatever. It's unreal. (laughs) We we have to get, um, we should say, all these books are published. um, They are published by Pocket. 
which is a division of Simon & Schuster. And um, Pocket has been super supportive already of this podcast. They know we exist. They sent us lots of cool books. They're going to, they're excited to do giveaways over the course of the podcast. So like stay tuned for free books and yay Pocket. Free books is like everything I believe in life. I just want you to know that. Yeah. I mean, I think that they, I think everybody should just be super excited that we're doing a read along with Immortals After Dark because it's going to be awesome, you guys. We're going to talk about all the banana stuff. Um, But really, I think before we get into all the banana stuff, of which there is a whole lot when you have a world full of vampires and Valkyries and demons and fairies and yes, Lothairs. Um, Lothair, yeah. <laughs> he's his own beast. Um, I think you need to give like a big overview, right? Because it's 18, like sort of tell us. It feels like a lot. I get it. It feels, it feels like a huge amount of, this is a lot to chew. Um, and I think, uh, so first of all, like I said, I'm not a typical paranormal reader. So if you are not a typical paranormal reader, this series could easily work for you. You don't have to worry too much about um, it. The world building is so perfect. It's set in a world that we understand. It's set in the human world. Um, and there are humans in the books. Um, so you sort of have a touchstone for yourself. Um, but the concept is there are, I mean, at the very beginning, we start pretty simple. There are vampires and there are werewolves, and there are Valkyries, and there are witches. That's pretty much it. And demons. Are they? I mean, but, yeah, I don't even know if witches and demons show up until book two. Well, the witches turn up because um, the hero, Lachlan uh, McCreeve, who is the hero of A Hunger Like No Other, is um, (laughs) at the beginning of the book, of the first book in the series. He is chained with mystical chains. Uh, witch mystic witches have um i don't know witched <laughs> bewitched <laughs> these i'm really not a paranormal reader you guys <laughs> that's okay witches have um you know witched these um chains enchanted sarah enchanted, enchanted. <laughs> thank you have enchanted these chains uh in the catacombs of paris under you know and uh he is being held there he is a a werewolf and he is being held in these enchanted chains in the catacombs of Paris by his mortal enemies. And we all know who werewolves' mortal enemies are. Vampires. And he's been under there for, like, hundreds of years. And suddenly... Wait, Bob, don't forget the fire. Oh, right. In <laughs> eternal flame. It's not... Yeah, it's, like, worse, right? And he's immortal. Like, he can't die. So he's just being tortured by flame, like, this whole time. Um, and in, and then one day, one fateful day, he sensed, because he's a werewolf and he has an excellent sense of smell, he sensed above him on the streets of modern-day Paris his mate, his fated mate. And werewolves only have one mate in their whole immortal life, so. And he's a thousand years old, right? He has been hoping to find his mate for a long, long time. And he smells her, and she smells delicious. And so he, he, so he does what any self-respecting werewolf who sends his mate <laughs> would do, and he gnaws off his leg <laughs> to get himself <laughs> oh, out of these chains. The right readers right now are like, yes! <laughs> I mean, so here's my thing. And then he, it regenerates, you guys. He's immortal. 
the leg regenerates, it's fine. But he's hobbling down. I want you to envision a massive, gorgeous man hobbling down the Champs-Élysées on like a bloody stump of a leg because he has nodded off from his witched chains. And he chases his mate down the road in Paris and he finds her. And what is she? A vampire. Half vampire. Half vampire, half Valkyrie. So this is bananas. And this is like chapter one of A Hunger Like No Other. And if it sounds at all interesting to you, you are going to love this series. So, yeah, here's what I want to add, though. Because, please, the thing that I think is really, and I think I've used the word dazzling, which I know sounds like hyperbole, but like, ride with me here, everybody, is so... That plot is just, it is bananas and it's really compelling. I mean, there's so much like that just draws us into that kind of feeling, right? Like I am in a, like literally, I mean, it's like Moonstruck, right? Where she, like, have you seen this movie? I feel like I've seen Moonstruck with Cher. Have I seen Moonstruck? I feel like I I know. We could, I Who are you talking to? (laughs) Sarah, just go with me, right? The part where she's like, you chewed off your own foot, right? Remember that? (laughs) Yes. You're a wolf. I'm a wolf. Yeah. You know, the the big part of you has has no words, and uh, it's a wolf. You know, that woman was a trap for you. She caught you, and you couldn't get away. So you you chewed off your own foot. That was the price you had to pay for your freedom. You know, Johnny had nothing to do with it. You did what you had to do between you and you. And now, now you're afraid because you know the big part of you is a wolf that has the courage to bite off its own hand to save itself from the trap of the wrong love. That's why there's been no woman since that wrong woman, okay? You're scared to death of what the wolf will do if you try and make that mistake again. What are you doing? I'm telling you your life. This is something really primal in the way that we think about, I don't know, like this idea Oh my god, do you think Cressley's a Moonstruck fan? (laughs) Sarah, I'm putting it down it, on our right? list of questions for Cressley. <laughs> you have to. I could, we could, maybe we'll watch Moonstruck one week. I could recite entire like scenes. Of oh, dialogue. yeah. But right, like that, there's something really primal in this. But here's, here's my point though. I think that the part that I love as a reader is that all of the ways in which, um, this, I don't know, like, I I think she's really doing something very explicit here. And the thing is, is I'm, I really like to think about, I know I'm like such an English teacher nerd, fine. Um, I really like to think about characters, motivations, but framed as questions, right? Like, like, kind of, who am I? And one of the things I think Lachlan then is, you know, he's been under Paris for a couple centuries. He comes up, he's never seen a car before right he doesn't know what television is he's i mean you know like the whole world is mysterious to him at one point she says i want to contact my family and he's like sure because he thinks she's gonna have to write them a letter he doesn't know she can get on the phone with them in a second Mm -hmm. and but i think what's then brilliant about this is it's it's really the question then for lachlan is like what is modernity like right what does it mean to be modern and I think that this book is, and, and very explicitly many of the other ones, especially at the beginning of the series, this is a question that she's, gra- she's having the characters grapple with, but I also think it's because she's grappling with it as a romance. What does it mean 
for our characters to be at this cusp where romance is changing and and we can't have these alpha males just like stomping around having their way with anybody anymore so how do i show you a character who comes out of the catacombs that way but he's going to end somewhere different right so structurally like yes it's this banana's question that like right like i chewed off my foot but i also think it's really thematically powerful to be asking a question about like how do we change as a society or as a culture and as individuals in the face of someone we meet who's very different from us and i think that really underpins so much of so much of the series right absolutely and i also think you know, one of the other things, and and people who know me or follow me in the world or have read my books won't be surprised by this at all, but I'm so fascinated by the way that, like, feminism iterates in romance again and again and again. And I think that Cressley, um, every single book, what she does, so you're absolutely right that this is about, like, modernity. I think I think you're, you're on to something with modernity. I think you're on to something with, like, how the world impacts these heroes and how these heroes exist can or do or is it possible for them to exist in this new this new world of romance and this new world period but also i think that what cressley's doing and what we see so we often see really underdone um particularly in in paranormals is she builds these like tremendously feminist strong heroines who are unapologetically like strong and yes. um, what's particularly interesting about this book is that um, Emma, who is the main character, is she starts off as a wallflower. It's a cla- It's like a she is a classic wallflower at the beginning of this book, and she evolves. And we're going to talk about this more. We're sort of getting we're getting down the down the rabbit hole on a hunger like no other, and we're going to do a whole episode on it. But her evolution is the evolution of the romance novel heroine. Period. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think, like, there's actually, I think we could, there's like a little prequel novella called um, The Warlord Wants Forever, and we're not going to start there. Oh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Don't start there, you guys. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll, like, go backwards, maybe. (laughs) We'll tell you when to get there. Do it our way. (laughs) Yeah, do it. Obviously. A hunger like no other is, like, like you and I think, I think both agree, is really like the setup then for like this theme that we're going to see repeating over and over again, which is like, what does forever really mean when you have, like, when you're an immortal? But also, like, how do you, how do you experience change and growth when you're an immortal? Like, right? Like, what does it mean to, like, sort of meet someone and have, and know that they're yours? but still have to make like change to be with them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what romance does so well. And I think setting it against such a, a big world. I, I really like, I like paranormal more than you. I think I like urban fantasy. Maybe like, I know you don't really read that at all. I read, I'm, I'm a limited reader of urban fantasy because I need more romance, but, um, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of paranormal, and I'm not an expert, right? Like, I would love somebody to, like, come in and fight with me on this because I think it could be interesting. Is very much about, like, a smaller society, right? Like, it's your pack. It's your coven. It's your 
you know, your little group of people, your vampire nest. So it's, it's really um, insular in some ways, right? And I think one of the things that's amazing about this series is that it, instead of it being really small, right? Like instead it's bigger. And that's something Lachlan has to deal with, right? Like they all have their hidden little fortresses. And instead in this new world, you can't do that anymore. You can't hide away from the world in your castle or in your right, your behind your moat. You have to experience the world as it is. And I think that's the other reason it seems different to me than like maybe a typical werewolf romance, you know, where like it's kind of like you're going to we're going to integrate you into our pack. Now it's kind of like, how does our pack become part of the world? And largely because what she does, and and this is not specific to the first book in the series, this is a recurring theme for her, Um, what she does is she takes these heroes who are insulated from the world or who are, you know, millennia old, and she pairs them with these incredibly powerful young modern women um the whole coven of valkyries um you know they're like obsessed with video games they watch tv all the time they love cars they love they love anything that has motors they love pop culture they love things that are shiny they're unapologetically like kind of greedy um but in like a delicious way and they're so cool and young and eager for change and modernity and then she pairs them with these like sticks in the mud oh yeah and then or in like the lothair's case or in rune's case like exhausted ancient men and they have they are re they are literally reborn in some cases or born period they are they are blood like they are made flesh again by these sort of like young remark by by the modern world yeah made flesh in these women right and i think that's so incredibly like i don't know i mean i know as a writer a lot of people see a lot of things in my books that i didn't consciously think about and hopefully cressley cressley has agreed to be a guest on this podcast eventually so we will no doubt ask her this but like i don't know if she was thinking about it but it's just so totally clear that that's what she's doing. Yeah. And you know what, though, as a teacher, right, I tell my students all the time, I was like, even if you could like airdrop this author into my classroom and and pin them down and ask them these questions, like they aren't going to necessarily answer them, right? Like this is, this is, once the text is out there in the world, it's for us to sort of grapple with and discover. I mean, that's the reality of writing. Like the book is not a book until it's in the hands of a reader. I mean, I can, I can do what I can try to tell the story I'm trying to tell, but it's not until somebody picks up the book that, you know, they actually, that it actually becomes a story. Right. Um, and that's why I, th- I think, you know, we're, we're coming up on, you know, we, we said we try to do a short episode this time. <laughs> um, but I do think that there's like, I think this is, this will give you a taste of what Jen and I are trying to do. Um, in this podcast, like we really want to dig deep. We want to look at the bones of these books. We want to think about like how these books rep- like live in the world. We want to, and some of the things we're going to talk about over the next, you know, X number of podcasts, who knows how many episodes this will be, um, are like the alpha male, like the alpha female. Does she exist? Like, what is, what does that look like? Um, feminism, consent, what else? I don't know. I, I don't like I'm sort of struggling to like put a like a name on it, but um 
I think one of the most powerful things for me in this book that almost every character is grappling with is regret, right? Like I've, I've, I've made a mistake and, you know, as a person, I'm sure we can all look back and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that thing a week ago or five years ago. What if you are looking back and are like, what about that thing that happened 800 years ago? Yeah. I mean, like at least we can die, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll get over it then. Yeah. Right. Like the, the power, like it amplifies, right? So the mistakes you make with the people you love with your, like in the second book, it's Katarine like loses her sisters and, you know, or like, you know, Bowen traps Mariketta and he has these regrets. I mean, I think like, you know, I, I think that the, that sense of like the, people I love, the decisions I make that impact them are then amplified to the nth degree. Like we can't even put a name on it because it time is this huge magnifying factor. So I think that that's another thing I find really interesting at the character level is that almost every character is, you know, the, the, the weight of time makes every decision even more complex. So I I don't know, like, that's just like a character thing. But then I think structurally, I will say to you, like, you know, 18 books, it's it's really hard to maintain, I think, momentum for a a, a series, right? Like, you're like, I've read it before. I'm always joking, like, okay, Stephanie Plum, I am like, right, I'm not here for you anymore. Like, you can't keep me interested if you are not going to have your characters change and grow or your world advance. And I think the other thing that I think is stunning, stunning is how she, um, the, like these early books are sort of very kind of, you know, like typical paranormal in a lot of ways. And then things get more and more complex and she rebuilds like, and reboots the entire system several times along the way with with books like amplifying and telling parts of the story like a kaleidoscope even and you don't really get the whole story until you are you know 18 books in there's some reveal that was like oh god now i see that yeah i mean it's it really is for writers um you know i think over the course of these episodes you'll you'll hear us you know talk as readers and 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 i'll i'm I I won't be able to do this without sometimes talking about just like as a writer, what I continually learn from Cressley. But I feel like every time I pick up one of these books and I've now reread this whole series at least twice and I'm going to reread it, I'm rereading it. This will be my third time. And in, in cases of, you know, like Lothair or McGreeve or Sweet Ruin, it'll be my, you know, nth time doing it. Um, and Every single time I read these books, I learn something new from Cressley about how to build a story or build a character or, you know, tell, tell, like build a world. And she is, she's just, she's one of the very, very best writing. And I'm so excited for this podcast to happen. Me too. Me too. And I think the, I don't know, the lens I bring is often as a reader. And I think, um, obviously, but I, I think the way she advances um, character through action is really unparalleled. And not without bogging us down in it. Like, I was reading this book, I was reading this erotic romance the other day. And it was about like, the hero had this like, was like a rope person. <laughs> like, had a lot. He was really into rope, like really into tying people up, right? And um, it's sexy. I'm here it's, for it. I, it's. I really just kept having this like vision of sausages because 
Like it was just too much. Like there was just too much discussion of like the minutia of the, of the knots and the ropes. And, and part of me was like, I get like, there, there are ways to paint. It's hard. It's hard to paint a picture like that and make sure the reader understands the world that you're building and the characters' obsessions um, the way that you want them to without, you know, really just, you know, hitting somebody over the head with it. And I feel like with Cressley, there's like, it's such, the world is so rich and so clear, so completely vivid. And I feel like I see every corner of it. And it's such a light touch in the reading. Like, you barely see the world building as it's happening around you. It's really, I mean, it's, it's like inception, but much easier to understand. Yeah. As I've been listening, I've been like sort of taking notes about like, especially, you know, when you're rereading it, you see the seeds that she's planting. I mean, and it's not just one book in advance. Sometimes it's 10 books in advance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, and so, I mean, I'm sort of fascinated by that too, is like, is, you know, just sort of how she's advancing the plot, the over, you know, the overall plot, the plot of any given book, the arc of any given character, right? Like it's a tremendous accomplishment. And I think, um, you know, and, and then like the different groups of people and what they need and what they want. And, you know, I'm convinced that she has like, not just like a murder wall, but like a, a murder warehouse, like, right. (laughs) Where like, it is yarn, (laughs) lots of yarn, lots of yarn. Well, because it is like, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Well, maybe we should build our own murder wall on our gosh. I mean, digital. Yeah. Because there are, and also, I mean, as people start to read, start to listen and and read along, there are going to be characters who continually, you're going to want their books and those books don't exist yet. And, uh, and I, I just hope we're gonna we're gonna get a a bunch of you know Cressley heads out of this. <laughs> um, so that said, um, I'm trying to think if there's like, have we missed anything? I feel like we covered a lot. No, I mean, I think so. The plan is um, we're gonna do this podcast. We hope you will read along with us. We're gonna have um, special guests, celebrity guests along the way. Um, we've already got a a bunch already locked in. Yeah. All you really need to be is a fan girl or fan boy or fan non-binary person of however you identify and contact us. And we're going to be like, yes. Yeah. Talk if you're a huge Cressley fan, find us online. Uh, hashtag faded mates pod. Um, and uh, also, so where can everybody find you, Jen? Um, where can you find me? I am mostly on Twitter talking about romance at Jen Reads Romance. I have a website I created to help people find like a like find a romance based on like trope or theme, and that's jenreadsromance.com. And then I occasionally write um full scale reviews, but I'm at the point now where I'm like I say I like I have to be working through some things. So um at the smart bitches or for the book queen. Cool. What about you? I am Sarah McLean. I'm a writer. You can read my books. You should read her books. That's very kind. I write historical romances. Um, but, you know, I think that you'll like them, even if you're a paranormal reader. Here, let me, let me paint you a picture, everyone. In every single Sarah McLean book, the heroine at least once will wear pants. That's, I don't know if that's 100% true, but it feels like it's right. It feels like it's 100% true. I'm pretty sure it's true. I'm all like, it's true. Yeah. Um, Well, that's, yeah, that's the plan. 
My my like brand is like she rescues him right back, like from Pretty Woman. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So I anyway. So you can find me at sarahmclean.net, um, or you can find me on Twitter at Sarah McLean or on Facebook at Sarah McLean. Um, I try to keep the ceremony and Instagram is my new thing. I really love Instagram. Sarah McLean. And you also on your website have a bunch of romance recommendations because both of us are basically really invested in getting as many people as possible to read more romance. I read about a book a day. I also review them for the Washington Post. So it's pretty great because it's also my job. Yeah. And, um, and so I review for Kirkus too, but you don't, I don't have a byline there. So you never know what I review. Right. But I, um, I think that, uh, everybody should read romance novels. (laughs) And so I have a list of like almost 200 romances that I really love across the board from, you know, Cressley to (laughs) non-paranormal, um, old, new, um, queer, straight, uh, everything. Yeah. Own voices, right? Lots of own voices, lots of like, uh, contemporaries, lots of historicals. I sort of, I try to run the gamut. Anything that I read a lot of, you know, erotica. I don't, I don't, read a ton of inspirational, but, um, there are some inspirationals on there too, if you're interested and, uh, several Cressley Cole books as you are probably not surprised anymore to hear. So, um, find us again in a couple of weeks, two weeks, we will read a hunger like no other. Right. And it's going to be better. You should read it or listen to it. And then when we talk about it and refer to scenes you'll all know exactly what we're talking about yeah and if you're reading it in advance um and you have something to say about it uh hashtag faded mates pod yes we should make a new twitter account for that we should too much i'm like oh who's gonna run a twitter account i know i'm like too much work we're you're just- in charge <laughs> not it <laughs> damn it Thanks for listening to Faded Mates Pod. Thanks, everybody. See you soon. a Cressley Cole insult right now because I like to write down like my favorite insult of like every book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a preview of Hunger Like No Other. But at one point, Regan, who was another Valkyrie, calls Lachlan Ace McFuckup. And I, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to write that down. <laughs>